Today on the podcast, we have an amazing guest for you, amazing woman called Shan Rayner. Shan has been a very successful business owner. She embarked on a plan to start, build, and sell her own business, which she achieved well ahead of schedule. She tells us how she managed to multitask, not only owning and growing her own business, but also holding C-suite roles in other large and growing organizations. She's won awards for her entrepreneurship and she's helped hundreds of other business leaders grow and develop themselves, their teams, and their businesses. She achieved all of this whilst being a mum. Despite all of this success, she felt like she was living a lie. In this episode, Shan reveals what that lie was and how she dealt with it. You'll also learn how her focus on health and well-being saved her at her most challenging times. If you want to know what makes high achievers tick, how they deal with challenge and keep smiling, Today's episode is for you. Shan, fantastic to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Lovely to be here. I'm going to start off with some rapid fire for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Here we go. You ready? Yes. Okay. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Mm. Fruit or veggies? <sighs> Fruit. Fruit or not? I'd no, have no? neither if I yeah, could. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. On holiday, are we more likely to find you bungee jumping or in a pool lounger? Um, I'd have a holiday that would have me doing a bungee and the opportunity to be on a lounger. Nice. How long could you sit on that pool lounger for? Yeah, maybe an hour? Yeah. That's a good stretch. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that might be a good stretch for you. Uh, are we most likely to find you in trainers or heels? 50-50. Yeah? Yep, absolutely. Love my heels for mm-hmm. work, but outside of work, I'm in my trainers, Converse, yep. Yep. kicking around that nice. way. Good yep. job, good job. Uh, real book or Kindle, electronic? Real book. Right, like the feel? Love the feel, Yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Okay. Nice. Yep. Here's the uh, critical question, cats or dogs? Dogs. This, this interview can continue. <laughs> this is good, this is good, great answer. And are you an early riser or a night owl? Early riser. Nice. Yep. And entertainment, would you be watching a thriller or comedy? Comedy. Great. Now, Sean, your entire career, I think, has been uh, what I called people and performance centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spent a lot of time figuring out how to unlock the potential in, in teams and people uh, for the right outcomes for organizations and for the, the people themselves. But when you were a little one, did you have aspirations for a particular career? what you thought you might do? Yeah, I did think I was going to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. And I, at the age of 16, I applied to every um, academy that there was in the UK. And whilst I had could do it in terms of the qualifications, the experience, my physical capability, I was too short. They had height limitations at the yeah, time. So that was my career. Mm-hmm. Other police disappeared like that. Right. Yep. So how did your journey start into you know, people... Basically, when I was 20, I finished my first degree and I went and worked for Stratford-upon-Avon District Council and I went in as their community recreation officer. Mm -hmm. Very fancy title at the age of 20. And essentially what this saw me doing was working with the elderly, people with disabilities, uh, trying to get women into sport, trying to get youth into sport. And um, very quickly, I realized that the best way, if I could come up with a strategy, the only way to get a strategy working was to have people with me on the journey. So I quickly hired a team of 35, but my HR director pulled me into his office. I was a little bit nervous as to what he wanted. And he said, the HR team don't work for you, Sean. You need to learn the HR processes and hire your own team. 
So he put right. me through all my papers, and so very early on, that's when I was sort of really focused in on who do I need to help strategy come alive, and then not only that, how do we know we're going to get the results that we, mm -hmm. we intend to get with the strategy? So a real focus on bringing people with you, but how does that translate to results? Right, and that's something that's flowed with you for the rest of your career and your own business ownership and exactly. now helping hundreds of other leaders and organizations collectively? Yep. absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Great start. So yeah, so it's one of those things where it has actually been in every single role that I've had. So in, in knowing what the drivers are and knowing what your personality is like and how it impacts. So that's how I got involved with the whole organizational development side. Mm -hmm. So as well as understanding how to bring people on, it was how do we keep them on board? How do we keep that retention? And then how do you get that balance between meeting the needs of the individuals, meeting the need of the organization as well, and trying to match that because it's a tricky thing. It's not like looking at a glass and just saying, oh, I've got a hundred of these, we know exactly what they do. Sure. No two people are the same, and often it's they're not alike on the same mm -hmm. on two separate days as well, depending on what's going on for them. So that was very much something that I recognised and that I knew that I was keen to look at, which is why I moved into the organisational development side of business as well, and how you can use that to really support business strategy. And then when I set up Pod, um, that was a project because I'd been doing advice for. Um, to businesses, helping them sort of like look at how to grow their business, how to get the best from their team, how to deliver results. But what I um, realized that I was just talking from theory, I hadn't actually done that to a great extent myself. And um, so setting up Pod was a project. It was, can I do this? Can I really give advice on this is how you build a business, this is how you sell a business, this is how you deliver with those, you know, mm -hmm. deal with those highs and lows that come up each day. And so yeah, so okay. it's always followed through and even right. in my role now, it's it's all of those things combined. Great. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna talk to you about the journey with, with Pod and, oh, yeah. and where it's led to with, with Advice First, but uh, some of those statements you just, just made then around uh, trying to get people to connect, get them to uh, follow, build that culture piece that uh, I think culture is one of these words that gets thrown around mm. a lot. Uh, if you know one of our listeners is probably out there going, you, you've just said all the things that I'm trying to figure out. Where do they start? I think it is about you know there's we all know this sort of phrase you've got to have the right people on the bus, and I think it really does begin with that, and it's finding that team. And I won't lie to you, you know I've got it wrong a number of times. You but you do need the right people that want to make the change that that can see the vision. Mm. So having that clarity of direction really does make sure that at least people are there for the right reasons mm -hmm. because they want to know that they can contribute to the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So I'd always start with the vision and it's always making sure that people are aligned to that and to the values and to the core purpose. Like, why are we there? Why do we exist? If you can get people on board with that and they're as excited as you are, that's a pretty good start. Right. And when you're an organization like Pod, you're working with people, you're helping them grow and develop. What, what do I do if my organization sells widgets and you know, it's not as uh, intrinsically obvious what my purpose might be? How, do, how would I think about purpose in an organization like that? 
So we have a lot of clients that are widget makers in their own capacity. And again, it's still, what are you doing? What difference are you making? And, and how do you contribute? Because whatever that widget is that you're creating, it does add value to a client somewhere, which is impacting on others. Yes. And so it's trying to understand what that means to, to you, to your team as well. And um, if you can get people to sort of see how they make their difference and why their role matters, you know, they, they know that they're making you know, some impact. So true, and mm. I wholeheartedly agree that I think everyone has a has a purpose if they yeah. if they think about it. Yeah, uh, and no, it may not be as um, uh, humanly changing as mm. some other organisations what they do, but they they're playing a role. And yeah. I think that that purpose you just need to spend some time thinking about it and some some good frameworks for them to think about. Most definitely. Great. Okay, let's talk about Pod as a as a project. It's an yes. interesting way to start a start a business. Let's do a project. Yep. Tell us how it how it got started and take us on a bit of a journey through the through the Pod experience. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to be working for a company where the um, director. Um, she gave opportunities to those that actually wanted the challenge and that wanted the responsibility. And um, I would go to her with ideas and she'd be like, make it happen, go for it, try it, let's see what happens. And so I was quite lucky that in a nice safe... Can, can I pause you? Yeah. Like, isn't that, isn't that just such an amazing uh, response from, from a leader in an organisation? Someone who uh, identifies someone who is wanting to succeed, wants to try things, want to challenge themselves and, and grow. Yeah. We know that's such a fundamental principle. And if we had more leaders in the world that uh, identified that, didn't see it as a threat, and actually would uh, be prepared oh. to tell people to go for it, it would be fantastic. Absolutely, and, and with my team, I encourage that because I didn't bring them on because I was feeling threatened by them. I brought them on because I think they're better than me. You know, they can bring something to the table that I can't, that I wouldn't have a clue about. And when my team come to me and say, I've got this idea, it's the same response because of what I learned from Great. the leader that I had. But yeah, so I helped her sort of set up different companies and get those underway and work out what worked and what didn't work. And then when I was on, um, parental leave the second time, I was at that, I'm ready to do this myself. And much to my husband's horror, because it was like walking away from a corporate salary and lifestyle. And I was like, I can do this. And a week after I basically resigned, he said, I just need to let you know, I've just been made redundant. And great like, timing, ah, great timing. <laughs> great. So this is in 2008. And so- mm, Tough time economically. Yeah, yeah, so great time. Give us some insights. There's, there's plenty of people that are thinking about leaving their corporate. They may feel like they've got a calling to do something else. They want to lead their own business. Uh, how do you have that conversation with your with your partner, if that's your situation, to go, I do want to give up the corporate salary. I do want to go give up the things that go with us and I want to pursue my dream. Yeah. What, what do you do to have that conversation? Well, it's a, it's a bit like that vision. Can you get somebody on the journey with you? Um, I'd kept saying to my husband, Matt, this is what I think needs to happen. This is where I think some businesses are falling down. This is what I think we should be looking at. And he was saying, well, why don't you do it on a part-time basis? <laughs> I was like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm gonna go in 100%, um, yep. I can all do in, this. call it, all in. And, and as I said, I believe this is going to work. I really do think it's going to work, which means that we don't need to worry about the money because that's going to happen. Yes. And, um, and I did say, look, I'm not going to pay myself for maybe sort of three, six months. I said, but after that, it will be fine. Yes. He was very uncomfortable in that first three to six months. Mm -hmm. 
but I did. I literally, each month I say, this is how we've performed and literally from the day that I started that business, I had a client and I knew that I had to make this work. I was going to be behind it because it's like if you have a goal and you share it with somebody and I'd shared it with his family, I'd shared it with my family, I, I was going yeah, to make this totally. work. Yeah, failure was no longer an option. It was not an yeah. option. And you couldn't quietly sneak away from what you'd said. No. It was like, I've put it out there, I've been bold. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. Exactly. And there were days awesome. when you're thinking, oh, what have I done? It would just be easier for me just to call up my boss and just say, hey, well, this was fun, but now I'm just going to, can I come back? I could have done that, but um, I loved it from the minute that I started it. And so I think you're talking there a bit about resilience, right? Of going, yeah. you know, uh, Looking from the outside, we see lots of business owners that appear very successful and people from the outside can go, oh, you're so lucky you've, you've built this. Hey, look, there is times of challenge in every yeah. business owner's, owner's life. Um, what was it that resilience for you? How did you, how did you feed that resilience and how did you survive? Yeah, so resilience and, and having that grit and perseverance, it's just, it was every day, it's like stick with the routine, stick with the plan. I mean, and as a strategist, I had a plan and there are days when you think, oh, it's not 100% quite in the direction, but I knew that detours were going to be essential. Sure. But I knew that if I stuck with the plan that I would get to where we needed to be, and which is why in the first year, what I wanted to achieve in the first year, I'd achieved in the first three months. Um, it did help that I was an insomniac, <laughs> plus or minus. Yeah, pros I mean, and cons, I think. Yeah, I did. Get, and, and again, I think that was part of um, that resilience. I knew I had to keep going and I couldn't almost sometimes it isn't the it's not really necessarily an advantage to be an insomniac it is but it was like my way of making sure i got done what i needed to get done and for that i'm certainly not advocating it it's something <laughs> yeah, the business yeah, owner should do yeah, this is this is in complete breach of the breakthrough principles it, here it, do not not sleep really sleep is key and i know that now yeah. as somebody who just adores my sleep but at the time it was i need to do these certain things mm -hmm. and i and i would work and i just got a newborn baby so given that she was up every night i was like oh she's awake right i'll just do some work quickly between fleeting slots i'll, I'll get the yeah, next part of the plan done that's it and so I, I i knew that we were just going the right direction and as clients started to come on board as as the learning that i was doing to make sure that i was doing the right thing i was constantly on courses and constantly looking for who'd done what i'd done who could i learn from because most of what I do is based on what other people basically instilled in me. Of course. And, of course. Um, and yeah. I think that for, for leaders, that understanding that uh, you don't have to figure all this stuff out for yourself. There are actually other people out there that have the ideas, they've done the research projects, they've tried it in organisations. You know, and we're, we're in a, uh, I'm going to sound really old now, we're in a, uh, an age where the access to that information is mm. literally at our fingertips. Yeah. And, and, and previously it wasn't, so you don't you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. No, and, and you don't. And if somebody's done it, and you can take the learnings from that, I mean that's what we do as business advisors and and sure. coaches. We want to mm -hmm. help people sort of learn from what we've experienced as well, and how to take a few shortcuts so that they don't have some of the challenges. Absolutely. But still take some learning. Yeah. Okay. So how did how did you see that uh, support maybe shift with, with Matt as, as the business grew, as Pod took off, as you were hitting those milestones? I think you said you, you did your 12-month target in three months. Yep. Pretty epic. Yeah, yep. what, was the, what was the change in comfort with, with him as you started to nail those objectives? Um, I'd like to say it was, it was two things probably. One, it was the money coming in the door, made him feel much happier. And two, it was probably I relaxed a bit more right. as well so that 
he knew that I was okay and if he could think that I was okay and that this was going to work, it was going to be all right for us. We were going right. to get through it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now he always says that it's, uh, oh, Sean had a plan and I knew that we just had to follow her plan, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the old 100% plan. Like, I knew it was going to work I, all along. Absolutely. Yeah, I never questioned it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he did. But, I mean, it's good to be challenged because right. that makes you really think about, is what I'm doing the right thing to do right now? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So tell us more about how Pod evolved. So you, you, what was your focus with Pod when you first began? So when I started, um, it was twofold. So I was doing the strategy side, but really knew that without the HR side, it just wasn't going to work. And I'd come from that space mm. of being, um, yes, I'd done strategy, which is what I started in, but then I'd done all the HR side and it was just bringing the two together. So initially I was working with business owners saying, what is it around the people side that you need to help you deliver your goals? What are the goals that you're looking at? What does that mean across the different functional areas? And then I would, yes, work out what it is that we need to be doing with the people side. And so that was the initial focus. Um, and then as we grew, it was, ugh, that's when all the wheels fall off when you're a small business because it's, you're bringing on a team, they're doing the delivery, but you're out there trying to, you're trying to run the business, but at the same time you're, trying to be the business development manager, you're the finance person, you're writing up operational processes as you go along and so there's so much going on. Your marketing, on. your sales, oh. your, your own HR, exactly. your, your everything. You're doing yeah. everything. So that's in that early days is it's almost like when you get in that sort of four to five, getting up to that sort of team, it's probably the harder thing. And then the next evolution for me was like, somebody needs to do the people side because if I'm out there doing the business development, we need somebody that can look after the team. And then it's trying to find those that can do that and making sure that the business can fund it. Because when you start bringing in roles that are not billable, yes. you need to make sure that that can keep on working. But good motivator, gets you outside doing the business development. Mm. So yes. Yeah, so and, and gives you the capacity to go and focus on that as well. Absolutely. You know, as you go, yes, this person's now internal, they're not billable, yep. but my ability to go out and generate revenue if that's your genius exactly. is, just goes through the, through the roof. And it's opportunity cost. It's a every, and I did that analysis with every role that I brought on board. If I bring somebody else on, what does that free me up to do? What does that mean in terms of our growth and our projections and where we want to go and looking after clients? So that was really good. So I basically worked backwards in terms of which roles didn't I want to do for the long term. So it was like admin, because I'm really bad at it. Number two, it was like, okay, marketing, well, I'm making it up. You know, it's great that we're getting clients on board, but what else do we do? And I just started moving through the until it was I could be moved out of the business, yeah, which correct. is I got I got to the stage where um, I think it's around 2014, 2015 that I moved out of the business um, because other than doing like some consulting work, I was almost like, well, lovely, you all know what you're doing, you don't right. need me. I had a brilliant general manager in mm -hmm. place, mm -hmm. and um, and I needed something more. I needed to go and spread my wings as well. And then the business kept con continuing to sort of grow and working really well under that. And I'd have, my role then was around that governance side. So right. it was about what's happening, where do you need my support? What do we need to change? Yeah, brilliant idea, run with that. Maybe hold back on that. So it was more of that sort of conversation right. um, with the, um, the general manager. And then the next evolution was basically where um, we were approached about selling pod, which we had been a few times, but it was, it's about timing and it's about, is it the right business and do they share your values and will the team be fit into the model? And so when the opportunity did come around, it was like, 
this does look good um, this this is going this could really work and it means that we can grow pod and that we can bring in these other areas that align what pod was but also what this other business could bring as well and so then another year on it's like you know pod is doing all the things that I'd always sort of dreamt about Fantastic. if you could just fund it yourself you know so it, it is does still have the strategy it does have the HR but it does look after um, the strategic marketing side we make sure that we're covered in the financial business performance side it's um, so it's having experts in each of the areas and bringing on you know legal so that we've got that capacity in-house as well to actually work with clients so it's really supporting clients as much as they they need sure yeah okay and you talked about uh, values alignment was an mm -hmm. important thing for you when you were looking at someone that yep. was looking to acquire pod Values are they're, they're an easy thing to, to say. Do you share my values? Yes or, yes or no? How do you really test for values alignment in that kind of environment? It's a really how do you live them? And I want to and, and I wanted to know. I wanted to know how these values were lived, because I know I'm from an HR you know background, but it's always and policies are lovely things to have as our house rules. But I'm always of the view is if you can live by the values of an organisation, that should be all you need to worry about. Okay, so if you say, we're not good, we're great, what does that mean? If you say, we give a damn, what does that mean? How do we see that lived in every day in terms okay. of what you're doing? If you're saying we're out of the box, what does that mean? You know, if we're custom, if we're not, if we're bespoke in what we do. Everybody should know how to sort of live that. Everybody should know the values. Um, and it's so often you'll talk to business owners and you'll be like, so what are your values? Oh, they don't. They oh, don't I wrote know. them. I wrote them down on a piece yeah, of paper yeah, after a workshop like uh, yeah. three years ago. Yeah, and, and and not knowing what they are, you can't be living them, which means that you can't be measuring them, which means that you're not thinking about them when you're recruiting people or when you're looking at who you actually build in the company or or how you look at performance in the company or how engaged your team are. They should be part of what makes this culture for you. So sure. So yeah, absolute value alignment has to be there, and you know, and if it's not right, if there's not that alignment. There's a complete jarring. The team member won't feel it, or you won't feel it, but it won't work. It won't work for the long term. And that's when you'll have like office politics and disruption and people just thinking that they are words. That's when mm. they just become words on a piece yeah. of paper. And low engagement, people coming to work for the sake of coming to work, not believing in the yeah. purpose of the organization yeah. anymore, not, not living the values day to day, yeah. just simply not being engaged. That's exactly it. And, and that is going to impact on the performance of the business and its sustainability into the future. So mm. I really Mine believe too. that you need to have values and that you need to live by them. And I'll call anybody on them as well. It's like if I don't think that anyone in the senior leadership team or anybody in the team is living the values, I'll call it because they're fundamental. Oh, they are. Yeah. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. So tell us, you know, business ownership does come with, with challenge. Mm. What's one of the most challenging times you had when you were at Pod? Um, the most challenging time would have been in 2012. And so you're now four years deep. Three, three to four yeah, years yeah, yeah. deep into the that's business. Right. Yeah, you've and grown. You've got a bit of a team around you. That's right. Lots of customers happening. That's and and it was all really grown. But I knew I needed to bring somebody else into the team, and I did something that I knew I shouldn't have done. And it was basically we had so much work going on, and I needed to find somebody right for the team. And I'm a stickler about you want to bring the right people into the business and if you bring somebody and you bring them in because they've got potential and it's your as a manager 
it's up to you to help build that. You shouldn't just go, oh, they're really rubbish and you know, it's all about them and get them out of the business. It's not about that. So I take it very seriously. Mm. And um, I really needed somebody. And my husband said, if, and I'm not blaming him for this, but hey, but he said, if they've got the skills and the capability to do it, why don't you just bring, bring on the, hire the next person that comes in that can do those things. And I said, it's not about that. It's do they have the values? Are they gonna fit into our team? Mm. And I brought somebody in, and the next person that came in, I think I have my most stubborn side on, nature on. And I was like, right, this, this lady can do what I need, but I have a feeling she's gonna be a complete nightmare. Mm -hmm. oh. And it's so challenging because you've got a empty seat uh, the responsibility for that uh, person or that capacity not mm -hmm. being there tends to fall on you as an owner. You know it's constraining you from, from getting to yep. other things. So you're like, oh, I just really want to get somebody in that, in that seat. And that exact scenario, you know it's not quite right, but you're like, I need someone. Yep. And you know, what's that? There's something the same as it's always better to have an empty seat than a bad hire. Um, but I that's know that. And you've probably preached it to 100, I, 100 clients. Yep. And I knew, I, my gut was screaming at me, don't do this. And I brought her on board and at the same time we were doing these, um, I was trying to, I was like trying to do every role in the business. So I was stretched and I knew the team was stretched. And we were entering into these awards for um, business awards because I was like, I, ne I need some more support. I need to know what other people are doing. I need right. some benchmarking and I want the coaching that comes with this. If, sure. That, to help you understand. So we did the applications for the awards and I've got this employee that is stirring the pot and challenging things, but she's very good at her job when she's in front of clients. And we eventually got to the day of the awards and she was still in her trial period. And she literally said, I just want to let you know, I already had a job when I came in to work with you. Um, and this was just to sort of fill my time and um, but I want you to pay I'm because I want you to pay me out my notice period of one month and I you know and it, you don't want to say I'm wanted to jump across the table and strangle the woman um, but, <laughs> I think that would have been an appropriate response but I was like this is the night I've got the awards this night okay and, and that comes back to values right yeah. so 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 misaligned with so how you misaligned. operate as a person and as a business to go, I'm just going to use you as a filler until my next next job and then I'll, I'll take what yeah. I can get. But I was yeah. mortified because it uh, hit me every, like, oh, yes. it's like, this yes. is my business. And, yeah. you know, and it's, what are you saying and what are you doing and the disruption? And I was just oh, cool, calm and collective, but my thoughts were quite different. And I walked and, and I was just like, you, you, abs you can leave now you can leave now and but I was screaming inside and I, had, I went along to these awards and I was not prepared to win at all I just you know gone along just this will be a lovely be a lovely mm -hmm. release chance to frock up get yeah. out talk to some people and just relax a bit Sean Rayner from Pod Consulting <laughs> so, and I kept we, we won three you know three award two, one two awards and a finalist for one award and Again, it was like I was up there going, this is wonderful, thank you so much, this means so much and it's so great and I'd just like to thank my team and thinking, yeah. <gasps> and I do, you know, I had a wonderful team, but sure. it was, mm. I felt like a complete fraud up there and, um, and I, 
uh, and it was good to have done it, but as at the time I was like, if I'm meant to be one of the stronger businesses, what does that say about the rest of the businesses in New Zealand? Right. And then I came away from there and I was just like, something's not sitting. And I was not, I thought, I'm not, I'm not designed for this. Maybe I can't run a business. What was I thinking of? Just give up. And um, it, was, it was a hard time for me to be able to, as you talked about resilience, to get back up, find a way to keep moving forward. Because all I wanted to do was just give up at that stage and just find an easier route mm. in life. But yeah, that was the hardest time of my career. Now, I think, oh, you have other days, and you're like, oh, you're just, you're just so used to those. It's like when I work with clients often, I'll say to them, you know, when you have these situations happen, and it's the first one that feels like so monumental to you, sure. you just think, I can't go through that again. I absolutely can't. But over the years, you have things that happen that are bumps in the road that you're just like, mm, that didn't go so well or could have done things differently. Not a great learning experience. They are, but they are learning experiences. And you get back on the road and, and you learn from them. Mm. And um, yeah. And I think our psyche and I think it's even more prolific in New Zealand is uh, we don't embrace failure. No. We don't see it as a learning opportunity. We're very scared to talk about when things have failed. We try to kind of keep it on the down low. Uh, conversely, I've seen, yeah, and I'm mass generalizing here, but American culture mm. and a lot of, particularly in uh, business and tech industry, they're like, unless you've failed a few times, you don't have enough scars to come in even and have mm. credibility at the table because yeah. you haven't tried enough stuff. Yeah. And and we need to, as uh, New Zealanders, I think we need more of that in our, in our view of being prepared to go out and try things and know that not everything's going to work. Yeah. And that's okay. And it is. And you know what? That's one of the things that key, like over the years, it's been my failings that clients have sort of said, oh, that makes me feel better so you can keep on going and you can get back up again. They learn from that. When you go in there and they're having that experience, which is their this is what's happened and it seems so monumental absolutely and you can say this is this is going to pass you're, you're going to get there let's look at how we can support you mm. and checking in on how they are how are yes. they feeling because that was the hardest thing i couldn't at the time you don't talk about you didn't talk about feelings mm. you know there was nowhere to go to there was no sort of the support that we've got that we're starting to get now in new zealand around mental health and well-being wasn't there you just had to sort of suck it up and yeah, just suck hope it up, that you can get, get on with it. it. Yeah. yeah, all that rubbish, and mm -hmm. keep like all is fine, all mm. is well. Mm. And I think yeah. the pressure that that puts on an individual of keeping up a facade, of you know everything's rosy, it's all successful, yeah. I'm crushing it, it's all good, and then the the personal toll of keeping that facade up is, is yeah. huge. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, so with now benefit yeah. of hindsight. Uh, if you were back in, in a similar situation to that uh, again, what would you do differently? I think I would have probably opened up more to my mentors and my coaches. But then I say that, I don't know how they'd have responded back then. I think it, it, is, it does feel different now because I would go to my mentoring meetings and my coaching sessions and I'd be like, everything's great, this is where we are, and yay, we just won three awards, isn't this fantastic? Yeah. And look, the financial results are doing really well. Mm -hmm. but. And did anyone ask you, Sean, how are you no. doing? No. No. And, you know, and, and, and Matt was brilliant, you know, but he couldn't 
fix it or under mm. or know where I was coming from mm. and and so I just would bury myself but it's not it's not what I ever advocate for clients now I would always there's never a meeting that I don't go into and like so how are you really mm. what's going yeah, on not that not the standard response not that oh yeah it's all good I'm just a bit busy yeah not yeah. that one the yeah yeah let, let's talk about what's really going on yeah. in your heart Exactly. See and, what's happening. and what is their body telling you? What is mm. their language telling you? You know, you know this. What is your energy saying? Mm -hmm. Because it gives you so much more insight than just what's written on a P&L. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And uh, my biggest breakthroughs, pun intended, with <laughs> uh, with clients have always been at that personal connection level. Yeah. You know, yes, have helped them with strategy. Yes, help them with leadership. Yes, help them with personal effectiveness. But the times I've been able to help people at that personal level, yeah. those are the things that make the real the real change yeah. and are the most personally gratifying as well. That's exactly yeah, amazing. And it's a partnership. It's mm. when you're working with with clients where you know that together you're working on something and you're helping them and you have got that connection. It's a joy, and and the energy that you have, and the and the results that you can deliver. But that connection, I, I I love that with the clients that I work with, where it's that it's ongoing for years and years and years. Yes, doesn't yeah, that's mm. that's the, that's the best mm. feeling. And give us an example, Sean, of a client you've worked with that you've gone, you know, that was a um, I really helped to transform that person's life. A couple of clients that I work with currently, I've worked with them for years. And when you, you first connect, it is always around that, um, this is what we can deliver for you, this is the outcome that will help you achieve. But it is about do you know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And I look at... Know, like, and trust. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and can, mm. you, can you see yourselves working together? Mm -hmm. Because if you're really gonna get results, you're gonna have to be spending time together. And, um, and be, have enough trust that you can uh, have very challenging conversations. Yeah, yep. and, and you do. So, it's, it's, it's a partnership, so that does mean that you don't just go in there and just say, um, these, these are things that are working well, great, and just keep going and doing what you're doing. You go in there and you say, but what is it about this? And, and what is it about all your operations that's going on here? What's going on here for your people? Why is everybody leaving? You know, what is actually going on for you in your leadership? What is actually happening for you? And I look at the clients where I, you know, you build those relationships where you can make huge differences and significant change over the years you're looking at every facet of their business but them too and and it does change up the session so like I look at some clients and it will be it's not a strategy session it's not it's it's literally what's going on for you and I'm not looking at their you know I don't want to know about the business I don't want them thinking critically about what's happening with the business and being on analytical it's what are they experiencing what is behind the story or the outcome? What is it that's the underlying belief? What is it that's the values that's not being met, the, the unmet need? What is it in their past or something that's just happened that's really impacting on mm. them? Because or what's just their behavior pattern yeah. that uh, whenever that kind of challenge comes up, I always react yeah. to it in this way. That's exactly it. And it and because you, you build this relationship, you have time together, you can see when things happen again and again. And you can look at, you know, you look at the different stories that you get and you're like, mm, heard this one before, that didn't work, so what are we going to do differently this time? And... So give us a couple of examples, Sean, of, of um, yeah, people you've worked with and how you've helped. I'll give you two examples. So one is a client that I work with. When I went in there, they had a family business and um, it was already doing exceptionally well. It's already... Um, 
was in probably the top three in terms of what they do in their industry right. in New Zealand. And it's an independent company as opposed to all the other companies in their field right. are owned by corporates. Right. And, and multi-generation family involved yes, in business. Multi, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you've got the husband and wife and then you've got the kids and their partners as well. So when I started working together, I had to deal with all the family politics because that always comes up. And that's like an ongoing thing. Bet that took longer than week one. Absolutely. But, you know, you start giving people roles and responsibilities and they have to take accountability and you hold them to account, including the CEO. And when it's like, that's not appropriate behavior, you know, you can really look at that. But when we move through each area of the business, we were able to make the changes. We had to sort of say to one of the family, well, sorry, it's not really working out here. That's an awkward conversation. Sure. But there was a time when there were some changes in legislation that with this particular client, um, it impacted him really in a negative way and brought him into, into depression because he knew this was going to hit quite significantly on the wages that were paid to the employees um, because it was like um, it's a, a unionized industry. Right. And th he was really worried about what it would mean to the bottom line. But when we sort of really got down to it, it was about how he felt about security, stability. And, and as I said, reality is, you're still making about three million net profit at the end of the day each year. I don't think the family's going to be in a situation no. where they're not gonna get by. Yeah, it's probably, probably gonna be food on the table and a roof over the head. Yeah, yeah. but because he'd experienced that before yeah. when he was growing up, not having enough money, that was what was mm. impacting on him. Mm. And still, every now and then, I have to sort of check in, like, how are you? What are you doing? And he had no work-life balance when I started working with him. He was within that business. Yes, he was the owner. Didn't even call himself the CEO at the time. He was doing the handyman jobs around the facilities. And now he's like, I'm just, I'm just going to Brisbane. I'm just off to this boat show. I'm just going out in my Porsche. I'm just... <laughs> And, and I'm like, great, because he's getting this Good balance. Yeah. But he's deserve, he deserves mm. it. And now, you know, it's enjoy it. You know, don't feel so guilty about it, you know, or don't feel guilty at all. Mm. And then there's another client that I work with, and he had the challenge where it was bringing his wife's money from her parents who'd passed away. So he was bringing this in. And when I started working with him, it was a financial business. The business wasn't making any money. So he's, of course, feeling guilty that he's losing all this inheritance. Mm. But knowing that to be able to make the business grow, we had to we had to leverage this money to acquire other businesses. And so for him, it was like, I don't want to take the risk, but it's like, you're going to have to take the risk because it's the only way you're going to grow. And, you know, we've done, and even with coaching sessions last month, I sent him an email saying, dearest Pete, you have not done your homework for three months in a row. I am not going to have a meeting with you until you've done it. Only saying it because I care. Next email came through. I'll have done it by the time we meet. I was like, good. You know, and I'd highlighted in yeah. red what was it, but we have, we have that relationship. Mm. But as I'd said to him, you're becoming a roadblock here, and if we don't get past this, this is gonna be a problem. But at the same time, I've got to know everything that's going on for his daughters, for his wife, what the challenges are that actually stop him doing what he needs to do. And now, he's growing the business even further. Mm. You know, he's in a different space two years on. Brilliant. Yeah. Great job. Mm. And so fulfilling as a coach to have those experiences. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It's yeah. really lovely when you reflect back. Yeah, yeah. more of that. Great <laughs> job. You know that one of our breakthrough principles is how family work in that order. Um, what is it that you do for mental mental wealth and physical health? What's your What's your focus? Um, I am a absolute 
passionate person about um, yoga. Right. I do yoga every single day. Mm -hmm. That is my my health, and that looks after me physically. Um, there's not a morning goes by where I don't get up and uh, do my asana, so do my postures, and then I do my pranayama, which is all about my breathing, and then I do my meditation. Um, How long would you spend doing that in the morning? 45 minutes to an hour every day, and doesn't matter what's going on for me, that is the thing that keeps me so settled. And it is a practice, it is every day, it's like, I feel I come out of my little studio, which is my office, just put some music and some candles on and it changes it. I'll come out and I'll be so zen, and then something might happen on some days and it's all my good intent is gone. But they practice again the next day. But yep. progress every not day. perfection. Absolutely, progress not perfection. Yeah. And how have you found that yoga practice help you in a business context? Um, in terms of the yoga, in terms of you need your body to be in a good state to be able to actually work effectively in business. Again, you'll see when you have clients that are not looking after themselves physically, they get sick, um, they're run down, they're tired, they're not performing, they're not productive. So it looks at that side. In terms of the breathing, that's got me out of so many situations where it's just like maintaining that control. And even with clients, when they... So tell us, how, how does that work? So you're in a, uh, a work situation. It's something that's uh, raising one of your emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you use your breath and your thought to, to yep. manage the situation? It literally is, for me, I know I can see the trigger. I can see that I'm starting to get wound up. And it is literally just putting into practice one of the many, many breathing types that I know. I try not to do the ones that are so obvious, like, <laughs> I won't be doing that, but I'll be doing full yogic breaths, and I know that I'll need to do that until I've calmed down. Obviously, the thing to do is just one moment and just take some time out, just get away from that. But with clients, when I first see them, and I can see that they're like, they come in with so much that they want to share, and I'm like, okay, so just, take a few deep breaths and it's bringing down the energy a little bit so when they're quite frenetic when they come in it's just bring it down and the same if I'm working with my team or if they're worried about something and I'm just just breathe because people forget they do and you can see it when I'm working yeah. with people and it's breathing really high in their chest and yeah. yeah and it's not down here and it's sometimes you literally it's really good you just made me really conscious I'm like I yeah. need to breathe lower. Yeah, and when you do it, you can't help but feel better from it. Totally. Um, so yeah, so I do bring that into everyday life. And then the meditation, the concentration part is around you are not your thoughts. Um, so often we just run around with these messages in our head that they're never ending. It's the same thing. It's the same story we're telling ourselves. And it's about not stopping your thinking, but it's about saying, how do I slow this down? How do I remove myself from the noise that is in my head and then look at my behaviors and then look at what actions that I need to take? So it's, it's a slowing down. It's, um, that's the key thing that I take mm. out of it. Mm. And that's how you use it in business. And again, it's like I look at you know, what we're doing with, in the work environment around mental health. It's all around mindfulness, which is a focus on that breathing and being present and um, just taking that time out. All of these things 
make a difference and you know it's scientifically proven can't give you any stats on that right now but it does make, make a difference yeah, yeah makes them up <laughs> gives you a 68 percent improvement if you uh, are mindful at work yeah. 92 i think yeah, <laughs> i underrated exactly but it does i honestly when i see it when i bring it in and even with the work that i do with um i've been working with high potentials at work in the last six months i look at how they've progressed with this focus on breathing when they come into the sessions, how they actually address their, their issues. So it's focusing on not what the actual situation is, but thinking about what they think or feel, what actions they take away from it by having you know, looked at their sort of behaviors and actions and look at where they are six months at the end of the program. The change and the growth is phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good to say that. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Uh, we think, not a lot matters in life, but what matters matters a lot. Mm. What matters to you? Uh, family. Family really matters to me. Um, number one, in terms of what what I what matters to me, health, absolutely. Um, yeah, family, friends, health. You can pretty much get by as long as you're doing the you know good things within what you do at work or whatever. You can always work. To your means, whatever you're doing, but yeah, family first, health, then yep. you should be fine. Yep. yep. If you haven't got a health problem, you haven't got a problem, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So true. Yeah, and do what you can to manage that. I mean, a lot of people have real struggles, but you, what can you do to support yourself mm. or get others mm. to support you? Mm. And your uh, insight around, you know, taking taking some breaths, stopping. Uh, there is no doubt that if you have proper training, that you're going to be better. But actually just as a place to start if you're if you're on the start of your journey mm. you know spend spend a few minutes a day uh, without the phone without the TV without the distraction yeah. take a few deep breaths calm your mind down a little bit it's a great place to start right and so and absolutely because so many people are uncomfortable I mean I um, I challenge um, people it's like just drive to work without putting the stereo putting the stereo on and um, and turn your phone off yeah. <gasps> but I'm driving. If, you're, if you're currently <laughs> listening to this podcast while I was driving please keep listening <laughs> And do it on the way home. Absolutely. <laughs> Try it on the way home. Absolutely. But I do think that a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves if they aren't attached to technology, to emails, to trying to fix things, you know? Totally. Totally. And we observe with so many clients, they see uh, that next uh, stage or change they'd like to make. They see it as this really, really big thing. So they go, you know, I want to get fitter, but oh, I need to go and find the perfect gym and I mm. need to find exactly the right thing and I need, I need, I need. It's like... Go for a walk for 10 minutes. Yes. You know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. If yeah. you want to get into meditation because you uh, have heard people talking about the science and the benefits of doing it, you actually don't have to go and do a meditation yeah. course. Like sit down and breathe for five minutes. That is meditation. That's you know, yes, you can evolve, you can get better, but yeah. uh, stop making these uh, changes you want to make such a big deal. Just start. Yeah. yeah. Take a small step. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because it is incremental change that gets you to where you need to be. It doesn't need to be massive steps that suddenly like, oh, I did this and my life was transformed. It's unlikely to happen. But if you just take those gradual steps, you don't feel like you're going to put yourself into a situation where you're, you're not going to make progress. If you just say, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk today and you don't make it the next day, no big deal. Don't beat yourself up about it. Let it go. Mm -hmm. But then try again the next day sure. until something becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. I did yoga sporadically for 20 years, you know. It's only in the last eight months that I've done it every single day. 
and now it's a habit well, that I think is a positive one for me. Yeah, hugely positive. And if you were to give your 20 year old self some, some advice, advice first, advice maybe? Oh, what, advice would you give? <laughs> what would I give? I'd want myself to let it go when I was younger. I was a type personality, wanted to sort of like achieve everything by the time I was sort of 25, 30, you know. And it's like, just relax, Sean. You know, <laughs> you'll get there, but you might have had more fun on the way sure. if life wasn't so serious. Mm -hmm. And I would not, I would have, now I don't work weekends, just don't do it. So I hope not everybody's listening, but I do not do it at, at all. It's out of principle. It's, I used to work every weekend, every night through the night, but I won't do it. But it was, so, it was a practice that I started really early. Like, I'll just keep working, I'll just keep working. This is what gets me promotions and gets me growth. I would have, you know, I think sometimes you can achieve, well, I know you can achieve so much more by just having that balance in life. I think that what I achieve now, because of the breaks, because of the balance, because of the timeout, it's so much better quality than working around the clock. And we find with clients when they get their head around not trying to work every day, it's actually the mindset of how do I solve this challenge I've got in front of me yeah. without using my time? Yeah. Because when you just go, I solve everything by working all the time and doing it myself, yeah. that is the only way any, any, anything gets solved. When you yeah. start going, I'm, I'm, I ref flatly refuse to solve this challenge with my time, how could I do it? How could we do it differently? There is a world of possibility. That's exactly it, and which takes you back down to collaboration, teamworking. Leverage. You get, again, it comes that back down to you can create a great culture all working together with the same vision, working with your values to achieve what you need to achieve. And the load is shared. And the result is always going to be better than one person trying to come up with every idea and every solution. So true. So takes the pressure off. And then you can so all true. have time out. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. And we've got some business leaders, no doubt, listening today. And you're going, what you're saying, Sean, it really resonates with me. I like the mindfulness, uh, getting my team aligned, uh, maybe calming our work environment down. How, how could they get started? Where, where, where should they start with that? Yep, so uh, some of the practice that we're doing at the moment is introducing mindfulness into the workplace. You only need an hour to get people started and get them thinking about it. And um, we, one of the things that we really advocate is flexible working as well. So it's like working when you're at your best as well. So um, our team have days where they just work at home because it slows down your, your, your mind, you're not already having to compete with the fact that you've driven to work and things like that and you've dealt with traffic for an hour and come in all flustered. So we do practices like that. Um, we get our team to sort of think about, they own what they do in terms of the way that they work. They know what they have to achieve, but how they get there, so long as it's legal and the customers are happy, I'm pretty open yeah, to it. Fantastic. And, and I think that's the essence of flexibility, right? Yeah. Flexibility is not making everyone do something and calling it flexibility. Yeah. It's about going, we're really clear on the outcomes we're trying to achieve here. We want the right outcomes for our clients and for the organization. Yeah. But how we get there, I'm devolving yeah. that responsibility to you to figure out. That's exactly it. And you, you just set a few like, this is what we need to, as you say, the outcomes. This is what we need. And then you, you work it out. I don't, I don't want to be thinking about what time people have to pick up their kids or what they need to do. It's just just do it. Yeah, but just, do it. just please make sure that the clients feel loved and you get the right results. Yep, yep.
yeah. that they are superb, superb approaches. And we've worked with you on the active management program yes. and, and collectively we do think about that as mindfulness at work. Mm. And many people will be going, oh, what's all this mindfulness at work? Do I need to wear my yoga pants to work now? <laughs> and it's, look, it's not that. No. It's mindfulness <laughs> is as simple as going before you start your next task, yeah. stop and think. Yeah. Where can I add the most value next? Yeah. What is the next most value-added important thing that I could, could do rather than quickly reacting to the next thing in the inbox or the, the next meeting you're going to or whatever? Actually stop, think, be mindful, be present and make a really good choice about where you add value next. And even knowing what you're doing with your day, I mean, for one of my practices, which is mindfulness in terms of work, if you looked at it, is I know what I've got coming up each day. I know that I've, I've put breaks into my day um, I've learned that you know just having back-to-back -back meetings means that the only way to get the actions from the meetings done is to work all night. That's not that's not ideal. So I put all my my day is structured, but I've got those times to actually go for a walk if I need to 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 go and pick up the kids to do whatever needs to do that makes my life feel complete. So, but it's it's everybody's responsibility, you know, to, as to how they manage their time. Yes. But you can do that simple thing, which is mindfulness at work. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, love it. What are you most proud of? Probably most proud that the family have stayed together with everything that we have done in the businesses. Yep. All the I challenges start, come along. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think that I could have been the easiest mm. person to live mm. with and I was away from Oh look, I've never lot. met Matt, but I yeah, just instantly think he must be an angel. He is, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's a lot to ask of a family when you're not there for many years or you're out and about and you know and it's I look at how everybody's turned out and you know we have our challenges it's it's not a sure. perfect family but it's it's we're together and we're enjoying we're enjoying now what we've achieved we've come out the other end and it's paid off and it is really quality time so I just love Fantastic. now that all my time outside of work is when I'm not being an Uber driver to my kids, it is quality time. Yeah. Yes, uh, solid connection <laughs> connection on that one. And the, and the worst thing is it's an unpaid Uber driver as well. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But it goes with the territory, right? Yeah. It goes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. And if you could have one business superpower, any superpower you can instantly wave your magic Sean wand and that will happen, what would your what would your business superpower be? For, it would be stop bickering of adults in offices. <laughs> it's the thing that drives me insane. And if I could just wave a wand and bickering stopped, Gone. I would be a I would be a happy person. Yeah. They'd be much happier of work environments. As it well. would be beautiful. There'd be no politics, there'd yeah. be no dysfunction, there'd yeah. be no he said, she said. Because sometimes you can feel like you're running a kindergarten, can't you? <laughs> Again. You know, Again. and this is like when I work with my clients. They don't say, oh, my strategy's not performing today. They're like, oh, let me tell you about these two people are bickering and arguing. And, you know, we didn't sign up yeah, for that, yeah, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Could we take this conversation up a level? Could we work a little <laughs> yeah. bit higher? Yeah, that would be good. Especially when they say, don't treat us like children. He's like, mm. please. <laughs> yes. Don't act like it. <laughs> and now with uh, Pod being part of the Advice First family, yep. what are you most excited about for the future of Pod and Advice First? 
Um, I'm loving the speed that it's all, we're just progressing, we're moving. I'm loving the way that the teams are coming together and not being siloed, which was something I was really mindful of, that a lot of businesses try and say, oh, we can add these different um, business functions on. And you know we're, we're strong in that um, strategy and the um, HR space, but bringing in the other areas, it was like, how is this going to work? How do we make it so that we are one team and that we're gonna give one great result to the clients and so far that's what's working really well and that's what i'm really excited by well done yeah well done and where can our audience connect with you shan oh uh, via email yeah yep so you can reach me at shan s-h-a-r-n at pod.co.nz nice and nice and easy are you a social media person is advice first they on yeah, social we're on social media we're on linkedin and facebook and uh, probably on instagram but yeah, i'm not <laughs> yeah you're, you're not no <laughs> not no. no i've not got there yet but yeah all good would really encourage uh, people to connect with you shan i've been lucky enough to observe firsthand some of the amazing work that you've done and uh, really want to acknowledge you for, for what you've done i think the uh, connection you bring with people uh, i love your uh, sense of uh, HR and how you see HR connecting with strategy to really create re mm. create results and just that knowledge that one doesn't go without the other. Mm. Um, it's such a great mix. Um, thank you for sharing with us today and thank you for the good you're doing in the world. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. <laughs>